The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Hello and welcome to The Lifestyle Show with me, Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. This is the weekly show and podcast where we talk to some of the most inspiring people whose work, programmes and interviews we feature on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. The areas that we focus on, living, parenting, finance, fitness, health, food, fashion, travel, careers, motors and much more. And many of those we feature here are household names. Many others should be and will no doubt be as they go about inspiring people in their day-to-day lives. Today, we're talking to... The future is keep travelling, writing, organising events. That's what excites me. There's nothing better than seeing a room full of smiling people jumping and laughing and having fun because you made something that they like. That's a very special feeling. They are the dulcet tones of William Mara. Now, anybody who knows Morning Gloryville or who knows Bingo Loco or some of the coolest events that have been happening around Ireland the last couple of years, digital, digitally or otherwise, will know William. And I've been dying to talk to him. And I'm so glad that he's finally, I've got him in the studio and he's sitting in a seat right opposite me. Will, how are you? I'm doing well and it is a pleasure to be here, fair maiden. Oh, so, kind of. <laughs> no, listen, I have to go back. As always, we have to go back before we go forward. So... You can be described as a digital marketer or also as an event organiser. And the guy, one of the guys behind Morning Gloryville, also the genius who came up with Bingo Loco and Nomad Film Club. So one of the first times I came across you, We Cross Paths, is Morning Gloryville. In a line or two, can you tell people what it is, where it started and where it's at now? Yeah, Morning Gloryville is a an immersive morning dance experience. You can call it a rave if you want, uh, but it's not what you're going to expect from a normal rave. There's no drugs, there's no alcohol, just people who are ready to rave their way into the day with yoga, massage, some thumping DJs, and three or four hundred people who just want to give it socks. And then afterwards, people go to work or they bring their kids to school. I mean, we get lots of kids there as well, so it's just a really fun and playful event. You know, you started off a couple of years ago, so I heard about it and I decided to cover it for was I think it was two FM at the time, and yes, it was. And we went into the breakfast show afterwards, coming straight back into work and talking about it on air and it just I was couldn't believe I love dancing and the whole idea obviously of you know still getting work done at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day and being there at 6.30 in the morning was a really cool idea so I went along and it was in the yoga studio do you remember that uh, one? And yoga hub Yoga hub way back when um, so it started off and I was kind of nervous going in I had my recorder I had it all ready to go and I was thinking how is this going to be but then at the door was met by a hug by a very warm hug uh, yeah a lot of people don't know what to expect when they come in they waltz in the door they're met by our lovely morning angels that's what you're describing there who give a hug and a compliment yeah. wants to get serotonin going and wants to give your ego a little kick in the air but you know what the, from the first any cynics they just need not apply because as soon as you go and most people nearly everybody I've met there actually I don't know I didn't meet I haven't yet to meet anybody who wasn't super cool um, all ages from little kids to older people and you go in and it's such a lovely atmosphere straight off the bat really good people um, you've got a lot of the same people who've been there from the beginning mm. from what I've seen and so it went from the yoga hub to Went from Yoga Hub and they went to the CHQ building. There was one in Flyfit Gyms. And then it found a home in Hangar Dublin for a while in yeah. a warehouse down a lane. Um, and recently we've brought it to 22, which is kind of like your higher echelon, kind of variety style venue where they do lots of kind of, you know, cabaret shows and stuff. And these are all in Dublin. Now, it, ha- it did start. Was it in London where it started, the whole idea? 
Yeah, so there's a lady called Sam Moyo, and she kind of started the movement back in 2013. Soon, obviously, we franchised it in Dublin. We've been doing it here. We've been doing festivals. We're doing pop-up experiences, things like Culture Night, where we would do it in, in a basement of a George house, or we would do it in, like, a, a laundry, an electric picnic or whatever. So we just try and keep it dynamic and change it with themes all the time. Which you're completely right. People come in, and they don't really know what to do for the first few moments, and then they just get into it, because everyone's there for the same reason, just to have fun and dance without the social crutch of... Of alcohol now that's really confusing if you haven't done it before you now feel like you're lost in like a busy district in somewhere like new york you're in the middle of nowhere you're, you're like a fish out of water and then you just settle into it you realize that everyone here is dancing and they're talking to each other no one's drunk everyone's having this conscious clubbing experience you remember all the people that you meet and the people that you meet are a little bit different because they want something left of center they've come here because they want to be you know out of their comfort zone. And then once you realise everyone's in the same boat, this magic happens. And at the end of the last one, everyone's standing shoulder to shoulder, hands around each other, swaying to some classics. And it was just like a really magic moment. And I had this small five-year-old child up my hands and we all started singing, Ah, Savinia! Now, I challenge you to find a club anywhere in Ireland um, that basically will, will provide that kind of experience. <laughs> You know, <laughs> a Lion King moment, but it it is really really special, and that you know I was starting to describe that earlier. So walked in, got the hug, and um, stood there for a few minutes. All of a sudden, I found myself putting on my sunglasses. Going, I'm indoors, putting on myself. What is going on? And then very with it, I couldn't even tell you how long. Not long, a cup of coffee in hand, looking around joined in with some yoga and then within a couple of minutes don't know how long but not long those sunglasses were gone put away and I was dancing just found myself swaying to the music and this was the first time when I went to my own like I said because I wanted to cover it for radio and also find out about it ever since then more and more the more people I've told I've always had friends who want to go and come along and try it out people going then booking on their own and whether I'm able to make it or not and I love that and it is something you go to work afterwards or you continue on with your daily life but you're a happier version of yourself yeah, because by the time people get out of bed, you've already had what would be the climax of your day. Yeah. So you already have the serotonin, the dopamine going, you're, you've got the adrenaline going from dancing because you've been brave to just dance without the social crutch of alcohol. And you've also met loads of lovely people. Yeah. And I suppose the reason it works so well is because we've built a kind of community around it. Whereas most events, people go, they check it out, that's fine. But they come down and they have a very, very social interaction. We have what we call the family. And the family is a group of performers and volunteers and everything else that help us put the event together. And these are people who didn't know each other beforehand. And now they go on holidays together. They meet up socially. They're in relationships with each other. And people have just kind of bought into them. Now they come regularly. So you'll see a lot of the same faces yes. coming through the door. And people come up and like, I like what you did with the last one and they kind of almost give you curation they're like why don't you try this or why don't you do that and like I take it all on board because it's their event not yeah. just mine there's a quote on your site on Facebook uh, from Fatboy Slim but did he do the one in the UK he did the one in the UK and here's the thing he was meant to do uh, one in Dublin for us it's one of those things where it'd be an impromptu thing you couldn't announce it it would break every contract he signed but what happened was in London I think they promoted it a little bit more than they should have Oh no! and as a result he got a little bit of trouble and so he couldn't do it over here and we were heartbroken because how awesome would it be to have Fatboy Slim playing Morning Glory Absolutely, because he said as well that it was the most magical moment, wasn't it, for him? And all the DJs that DJ Morning Glory will say it's the best event that they Aww. DJ because instead of someone sitting there, you know, struggling to tr find their straw with their mouth, absolutely hammered, you know, trying to dance <laughs> a sexier version themselves, they're actually just giving it socks. They're yeah. giving it loads. And when you see an audience who doesn't have a drop of drink in them and they're giving it loads, they're jumping and chanting and spinning each other around and they're giving it more than you would in a normal night out. 
it's just it's it's really good feedback wow I never thought you know? of that that is really nice actually it to is, think of that it is for insane them. like I would do a lot of kind of stage presence stuff at a lot of the events like at Bingo Loco another event that I do that I'm sure we'll talk about I'm dressed in a top hat and a sheepskin coat and I'm running around pulling people on stage and stuff like that but and everyone's up for it it's a wild show but at Morning Gloryville like the last one I was dressed up as the Easter Bunny running around stage dancing with kids and it's just everyone's just really into what's happening and you don't you don't get that at any other event. I have it's it really is just a really really special special one. And you and you've done it. You know it stopped for a while. What happened? Um, so it's I back went, now. Obviously, it's back now. It's back with a bang, and we're doing weekend ones and all the rest. And we've been we've been selling them out pretty pretty solidly. But it's uh, so I went on a little bit of a journey trotting around the globe, and uh, the my business partner at the time who I was running it with um, was also involved in another business we were running with at the time called Unplugged.ie when we when we were doing it together. And uh, now he's running with that alone, but because it was such a Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Flack, wonderful guy, and because we were doing it, uh, it, it Unplugged became such a big project. Uh, Morning Gloryville just wasn't able to; he wasn't able to kind of keep it going yeah. in the meantime. And um, meantime, meanwhile, while that happened, you were ended up on Joe Duffy. Ah, uh, yes, and Washington Post and Russia Today. What and about 15 happened? Other papers around the world. You, you, you've travelled a lot, and we'll get to that. But you yeah. decided to go to. Uh, Iraq, yeah, Iraq. Not your not your typical holiday destination. Most people would go to like Thailand <laughs> or maybe you know Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no. So we, I did. I was sitting in a Vipassana meditation retreat, and before you go into this, it's like a ten days, no reading, no writing, no talking, no nothing. Right, it's pure isolation meditation for ten days, and I met this Finnish guy who was sharing a cell with me. And before we went into this noble side of ten days, I was telling him about my intentions to go back to India and try some more spiritual experiences, and his response was, "Nah, scrap that. Go to Pakistan." I was like, "What? Why?" When he says, well, when you go to India, everyone's trying to, you know, get something from you, take a rupee, rip you off. But in Pakistan, everyone's trying to give you something. It's almost reverse. It's, you'd walk into a shop and they'll give you loads of stuff and they'll say, don't pay, you're my guest. It's the idea of giving me a good person instead of receiving something. And 10 days sitting in a cushion uh, surrounded by humidity and mosquitoes and the mad meanderings of my mind in Zylands, I said, you know what, I'll do it. I'll go to Pakistan. And... Typically, when you think of that region, when you think of places like Pakistan, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, or whatever, you think that these places are barren deserts and bombed tanks and pure conflict. And after landing into Pakistan, to I ended up getting a business visa to give uh, a talk to the Chamber of Commerce in Lahore, purely just swinging it on a chance. Um, we we found nothing but just amazing hospitality and kind people. How many, and then how many the curiosity have you met? grew and grew and grew and grew and. After a month in Pakistan and literally having probably the best experience ever, and it's this day I say it's my favorite country. Wow. Um, we just decided just to you keep going. and one other person, or I was originally going on my own, mm. and then I dragged two guys with me who were one was going to cycle across Southeast Asia, the other was going to go to Australia for two years. The typical Irish thing. Goes, yeah. I think it's actually being repealed now. They were going to repeal that two-year working visa thing. I think they're changing it around. I know. Before I segue. <laughs> um, so I basically I said, come on, come to Pakistan. They're like, that is a terrible idea. I'm like, yeah, but like, who else has gone? It could be a good adventure, a good story. Um, and so eventually we did it and we never regretted it at all. We went um, shooting with anti-Taliban vigilantes. I got to meet like owners of mines who invited me to their house to like buy stones worth $19,000 and they think I'm a gem dealer and I'd be sitting there kind of like out of my water. But it seemed that every single day that something like that would happen where you'd be in this mad scenario and you would have planned something and it never would have happened. Before you know it, you're at the base camp of one of the tallest mountains in the world, you know, sitting around a fire with a lot of hunters. You know, it's just the maddest country ever. And 
that gets really, really addictive. Um, and so yeah, like I said, got really addictive. And I was like, you know what? Let's go next door to Iran and see what they have. And Iran was a lot of fun as well. We got to uh, couch surfing in an opium den. Um, what? We, we found yeah, and alcohol is illegal, right? But you'd go to the black market and you'd knock on this metal door and it slided across. Look at you, and they're so curious as to what the hell you're doing in Iran at the black market that they pull you in drag you down hold you captive because they just want to know what, like what are you doing here and then 10 minutes later they're bringing you out tea and fruit offering you cigarettes and they don't want you to leave it's like you're like the, the night's entertainment you know wow. and that's what it's everywhere you go in Iran it's exactly like that people the first thing you do when you meet you might be in a train or you'd be at a coffee shop whatever a tea shop and they'll be like what do you think of Pakistan do you like the wow. people you know they, they're so conscious that the world probably hates them and thinks that they're all a nation of terrorists that they'll do anything to prove otherwise. You'd be on a train for 30 hours and they're queuing up in a line to sit down and talk to you. No. That's not even an exaggeration. Wow. Me and my friend were taking turns and sleeps so we could, because this train's like 30 hours long, turns sleeping so we could entertain these people who were just so curious to meet us. Wow. And if you went to sleep, they'd wake you, you know, like, oh, what are you doing here? No way. In the most insane experience, yeah. Are you serious? And then you went to Iran? And then I went to Iran and uh, so yeah, after maybe like two two weeks, we got really, really bored of the seeing all these mosques. Now they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong, they are beautiful. But we wanted something left of centre. So we stuck the thumb out and the first guy that pulled over, we were like, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to Karamabad. So we rocked up into this town and we were sitting in a park eating pomegranates and nothing else to do. And then this guy rocked up and he's like, looking for somewhere to stay? And I was like, we actually are. There's no hotels or anywhere to stay in this town, so we need a host. So he said, no worries, brought us around the town, introduced us to all his friends, bought us with the food at the market, brought us to his house. And then loads of characters just start turning up and they all park up, take off their trousers, get cosy in their vests. And then they pull out this like little campfire stove and everyone just starts smoking up. I was like, what? No. What's going on? Yeah, we were basically in a den. And uh, this guy also was, a, was an amazing guy. He was also manager of a local cinema in the town. So he brought us into like the theatres when it was all empty, brought friends in, brought us to Black Market. We get some whiskey and we're all drinking whiskey while everyone else in this open den is getting high out of it. And we're having dance parties and stuff like that. Because in Iran, it's, it's a really, really stringent regime, right? Where if you, you know, convert to Christianity, you could be executed or hung or whatever. Super, super strict. Like dating is illegal. You know, it's completely mad. Uh, but we found a few house parties where like as soon as you get behind closed doors it's all boob tubes and mini skirts and everyone's dancing and having a scandalous time no and way. the women are beautiful they're like they're like Princess Jasmine from a lot they're so beautiful they're stunning and really really friendly they'll run across the street almost getting hit by a truck to try and talk to you you know so if this if it, oh my god I'm actually in shock so would this not be if they had been caught doing that ah yeah ah yeah big trouble 100%. Wow. Yeah. But alcohol is nearly more legal there than, like, the, for example, like a huge flushes of 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 uh, opiates and everything else coming in from Afghanistan next door. But, like, if you were caught with alcohol, that's a big no-no. Wow. Everything else kind of like, ah, Because it subdues the mindset of the population, right? Because it's a very, very, it's a very, very dictator-run uh, kind of, like the Ayatollah, you know. He's, wow. It's very, very strict. So, so you ended up going from there? Yeah. So then we hitchhiked from Iran across the border into the Kurdish region of Iraq. And we spent some time just like we, we when we got across, we got a guy who was importing a car from Dubai, covered in tattoos. He drove us the whole way through to a town called Slimani and uh, we had a great time. And I'd say we were there maybe about 10 minutes and this guy in a cafe, because we're trying to get some Wi-Fi. Guy comes up and he's like, you know, barks something else in Kurdish. And I was like, oh, man, Irlandi hastam. You know, what does that I mean, mean, Irish? I mean, it means like, you know, I'm from Ireland. You yeah. know, my, Ireland is my country. And he starts mashing his little Nokia phone, you know. 
passed it over and I was like, oh, he's definitely got like a friend who lives in South Circular Road or something and he wants me to talk to him, you know, and he's met this guy from Ireland. Turns out this guy on the other side of the phone was just, he had a hotel in town, wanted to invite us over, bring us on a night out and just want to show us a good time. So he said, cool, we'll see you in a few days. We had to hang out with another friend we'd met on, on couch surfing first. Um, it was an amazing guy and he was feeling us all about the history and him running away from the uh, from Saddam's regime towards the mountains where they were met by the Turkish who stopped him getting out and all these mad stories. Everyone in Iraq has a story and it's not just like a big story. It's an insane story. It's, everything's worth every movie, you know. It's mad, right? And so eventually we rock up to this guy's hotel like a day later and he invites us out to a Kurdish bar and we're like locked in till 5am doing the Kurdish dance, waving the handkerchief, running around, having loads of fun. And uh, we get to know him quite well. Now, this guy's a fixer, so he brings the likes of BBC or National Geographic, whatever, down to the front lines when they come into Iraq, right? So he'll sort them out with convoys and flak jackets and helmets and passes and permits and all the rest, right? So there was a French guy, French photographer, and this photographer was going down to do some do some snaps, right? He <laughs> makes like 7,000 euro off each photo. Like, God, but it's also it, risking his life. Um, he is, but like, mm. the, the way, like this guy basically was like, he, he's going down. We're going down with an armed convoy. If you guys want to come in and check it out, you're more than welcome to. So I was like, what? Go down to the front line of the war, what? And he's like, yeah, you can go and check it out. So next morning, outside, a personnel carrier there with a commander from the Peshmerga army. And we hop in the back, we stop off at a town and we get some uniforms, mark them on, back in the pickup truck. And we, we drive down to this, um, this I walk through this race. was like oil fields one side, you can see smoke billowing where they're burning off excess. The other side, you'd see like refugee camps from the conflict that's currently happening in Mosul. And then you get down to this defensive perimeter, which for want of a better term, it's just a, it's a big highway, really. And um, you, uh, so basically we tried getting to loads of checkpoints and we were turned around every, every single time we went. And then we got to a roadblock and there was just convoy after convoy coming out with loads of soldiers in the back of it all with M16s and G6s and everything else just booming down the road and the big guy who had originally approached us in a cafe two or three days ago was in the back of the truck with us now this guy is the nicest guy in the world like he's the size of a Ford Fiesta he's got yeah. bullet wounds all over his arms he's hard as nails uh, the Peshmerga are very brave and very admirable people they mobilise themselves buy their own bullets buy their own weapons and when their area comes under threat they then mobilise themselves and just take care of the problem so the Iraqi you- army just don't take care of them It all. must have been at this stage, Will, you must have gone, right, I know we've been partying, which uh, part of that earlier sounded like part of that dodgy Sex in the City second movie. But, you know, um, it, you, know you know the one I'm talking about, but it, but this, the fact that this happened, I think my jaw has just dropped still. So when you, at this stage, you must have gone, right now, this is going to separate the boys from the men. Um, well, the, the French, from the French the photographer that we were, we were with, he was, um, he was pretty drunk in the oh, back of the truck. Still? Not, well, this is like, we had we, the night before. We'd actually just been sitting down and planning it out. We'd been like kind of making sure we were well briefed and making sure that we weren't doing something silly or whatever. Uh, but this French guy was a complete lunatic, right? He's like we're going through military checkpoints and he's there like swigging Tuborg, you know, on the sly, making sure no one in the front of the truck can see him. He's like quite lifting, lifting up his jacket, oh remember his jacket, just swigging back some Tuborg, and every now and again asking him to pull over so he can go to the toilet. Complete lunatic. So you have that comedic factor as well as the fact that the guy we're with, who is hard as nails, very well tuned in who basically said, you know, if you're not good, me not good, me good, you good. So we felt as long as this guy's at ease and he's a very playful character, then we felt at ease. And everything had kind of like slowly escalated a little bit more. Okay, so okay, we're getting military uniforms and now we're in the tr- truck and there's a refugee camp, that's mental. And you're like, oh, there's loads of soldiers. Okay, but the reason there was this roadblock was because there was a summit to reinforce um, a lot of troops from the Kirk, this town, not far away, they're just being reclaimed from ISIS. And... 
we basically so the big guy jumps out of the back of the truck runs across starts talking to a lot of soldiers comes back and he's like all good we got the clearance but the general wants to meet you oh my god and we were like the general wants to what so we go back to this what was a US base back during the invasion of what the Kurdish called liberation uh, many years ago and it's now the headquarters in the area for the Peshmerga army so we rock in over the gravel jump out of the truck and we come over and the Peshmerga army are like you know I'll come over saying hello whatever it's a French freedom fighter Canadian freedom fighter mark over and they're like hey how's it going word gets around pretty fast are you guys uh, you guys journalists or something and I was like yeah yeah uh, freelance uh, travel journalists and uh, we're uh, actually just here by chance really and it's great to meet you I really admire what you're doing here you know completely just turning the story back to him so it's like so what are you doing here yeah. <laughs> you know and uh, then the general comes out and the whole place goes quiet and he's like um, you want to get a photo alright so they want photos with us oh that's what the invite back was for and we're like hold on we're in a military zone maybe yeah. we should not take the cameras out and they were like no 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 get the cameras out you know take pictures of everyone everyone's like loads and loads of soldiers you know coming in and, and taking pictures these are the ones that all hit the papers of course so the, the, and that was in the Herald was it? Um, those photos were in the Herald and the Sun and the the Independent and you know media publications in Mexico Japan in Australia around nine years and how did they get else. the story? did you post it on so social? I put it, I put it on my blog and then the blog basically just lifted overnight so did you well your whole goal in this then did you then feel oh god we better get some coverage for this considering we told them what who we were you know that we were freelance travel it just happened naturally we didn't mean to do that at all it just genuinely happened very very naturally and I suppose like I've almost finished writing a book and the idea was to write a book about travels and the more adventurous side of it and so it was kind of that was fueling me on to try and find out more investigatively about how people live where they come from why they do what they do and when is the book coming out Ooh, well that all depends on when I can get the final chapters penned okay an editor basically said you've kind of got two books there mate so you might need to kind of work on it a bit more uh, but I was kind of hoping to have it ready by now but I think it's one of those things that you're better off waiting and getting it done properly absolutely and listen you've, you've also got in addition to Morning Gloryville are you going to roll that out nationwide eventually or are you going to keep it in Dublin um, for now keeping it in Dublin for now and investigating mm-hmm. running some silo events in other cities around um, to around Dublin okay. just to test it out to test it out so you've got that you've got tell us about um, Bingo Loco so that is one of the more recent ventures yeah so Bingo Loco was born out of and again this comes back to Iraq we were in a bingo hall in Iraq and it's like a Christian club and you go in you're being card, whatever all the numbers are in are in Kurdish so you can't understand what's going on so we just decided just to have a few drinks and it got pretty fun, it got pretty wild and we'd seen concepts that are kind of similar in the UK and uh, and in, in Mexico and we were like, you know what, there's room here to just do something really left of centre. People are sick of going to a nightclub and having the same experience, same night out. You're going to, between the triangle of smoke uh, smoking area, bar and dance floor and that's great. But what if you have something that's offering a little bit more? So we give away things like electric cars, lifeboats, washing machines, an electronic safe, a bouncing castle, and we gamify it. So we'll call out a number, that number triggers a song, get everyone involved. If someone calls it bingo, great. If two people call it bingo, even better. We get them on stage, you loads of sudden deaths. You could be doing an X Factor style death match, or you could be doing like, who can eat an onion the fastest? So the idea is just to make it really comedic, entertaining, engaging, and uh, it's it's gone down really well. We've had bookings in from the likes of Paddy Power and Web Summit, Boss.ie. So it's a very, very corporate-friendly event. And uh, we, we sold out the first two. And then we had one just Sunday gone where we brought Bewitched back from uh, from the 90s. 
And uh, yeah, I get 800 people playing bingo in the right venue. Absolutely <laughs> mental stuff. So if anyone's just joining us, I'm talking to William Mara and this is all about um, everything that he does. So as a digital marketer and event organiser, you might know him from Morning Gloryville. If you don't, look it up on Facebook and also Rise and Rave and also just their Bingo Loco Plus travels. And Will has got a book, possibly two coming out. Will, I, I know we're running out of time. I know we literally only have a couple of minutes. But you, you can, can you just give me your brief background? Because it's just, it's non-normal, not the normal, stereotypical, boring thing. You just decided at a young age to get up and go. Um, and your motivating, motivators and motivating factors were pretty real and pretty inspirational. Um, so a lot of that will be in the book. But what happened? You just said, right, I want to get up and go. Yeah, so I studied mechanical engineering, got a first class honours, absolutely hated it and decided, you know what, I like events, they're fun. I was organising them for an engineering society in college, ran for the students' union, did ends for two years. And Which got, college? Uh, DIT. Okay. And got extremely addicted to it. And I suppose I was kind of fueled on by the passing of my mother back in 2010. And she had a life where there was a million things she wanted to do, but having six kids and a lot of kind of things going on in her life and a few problems that I won't discuss, uh, she... Mm. She, she passed away and I always said, you know what, I'm going to do what she couldn't do. She always wanted to travel. She always wanted to see the world. And I had this necklace around my neck that she'd made for me when she was going through therapy. And there was one day I just like, it would break now and again. Over the course of the many, many years I was wearing it, I'd never take it off. And over, it had broken so many times, I'd go scrambling for the beads, try and put it together. And I had no reason why I was so attached to it. I'd never really gotten over the whole passing. And one day I said, you know what? I need to go and do what she could have done or should have done. And I just snipped it off. I gave it to my ex-girlfriend at the time. I said, listen, you've been a great help to me for the last few years and get me through a lot of stuff. Um, I want you to have this memento as a sign of everything. I need to get over this. So I decided I would go and travel the world. And I'm still doing that. I'm just backing out for a few months to kind of, I'll be, I'm never going to stop traveling, essentially. Everywhere is on my list. Um, but she was a huge motivational factor in terms of just be brave and try something new. My God, getting me upset over here. I, I, do you know what? She sounds like an amazing person. And again, how amazing really for her to think of her son getting up and doing all those things in her name. Um, so you've been traveling and then you brought us Morning Gloryville here. Next thing is you brought uh, Bingo Loco. Nomad Film Club. Mm. Where does that fit into the picture? That's basically me and my friend Craig, the guy who I was traveling a lot with um, from time to time. Uh, he's, a, he's a movie nut. And uh, the two of us get on like a house on fire. And we like screaming cult classics. So it's basically just like, put a movie on. Where? People, well, it depends. We've done some in like um, 22, uh, South Down Street. And we've done them in, in Grand Social. And um, yeah, we haven't done one in a little while now, but we have a series of them coming up. Um, so is this all Facebook? We can find out more. This is all Facebook. Okay. You can find out Noma Film Club. And I'm working on a new event series, which I'm going to be very, very excited about releasing soon. If I can find a venue that's brave enough to let me do it. We are Dublin's never seen before. going to be all over that when uh, you're able to tell us. So you'll come in, won't you, and tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Most definitely will. <laughs> what age are you? You're only 27? 27, as of and last week. And yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> so what is the future then? What's the big plan? The future is to keep traveling, keep writing, uh, keep organizing events because that's what excites me. There's nothing better than seeing a room full of smiling people jumping and laughing and having fun because you made something that they like, that they wanted. Like that, that's a very special feeling. And I, when you meet other event organizers and you see them doing what they do and they maybe they've made a big loss in an event or something like that, it doesn't stop them 
they keep going and they keep doing it because it's a magical feeling. It's, it's You can get really, really hooked on that feeling of just exciting people and just generating a bit of hype and something for them to do. Well, you know? do you know what? You deserve every success that that brings because you're really good at it. You're a sound block. Um, no, you really do. You have a great energy around you, great people and great team. Anyone who's gone to your events will probably agree and has seen that. And I just can't wait to see what's next. So keep us in, keep it in touch. Um, people can read your interview as well on rt.e forward slash lifestyle. Keep in touch. Keep us up to speed with what you're doing on social. What else is there? There might be something else. Oh, there might be a movie. Oh, yeah, what? There might be a movie. Uh, I feel like I shouldn't say it because I'm afraid of cursing it. But yeah, so when the story went viral um, about us in Iraq, we got reached out to by a few production companies who wanted to option the rights of the story and make it into a movie. So we're currently in discussions with people about what that's going to look like and if it's going to happen. It's a very long kind of journey in terms of getting it to a studio, who's going to back it and all the rest. But the fact that someone even reached out is hilarious and it's brilliant so yeah, um, and, and do you know what again when that happens you're going to have to come back in and anyone in the meantime can look up you talking to Joe Duffy uh, will they find that very easily if they just put in William Mara Iraq Joe Duffy yeah absolutely if you just type in William Mara and ISIS you'll have a very entertaining few hours of reading <laughs> actually I couldn't have put it better Will thank you so much for joining us a pleasure thank you for now having me now I think you understand why I was dying to talk to Will and really really exciting as well all the events that are happening and always with a smile on his face you can read the interview on RT.E forward slash lifestyle follow us Facebook Twitter Instagram and that's it from me Tara Lockery Grant and the Lifestyle Show on RT Radio and Extra this week thanks a million for listening that's it from me, Tara Lockery Grant, and the Lifestyle Show for this week on RTE Radio 1 Extra. The show is produced by Ola McGowan, and you can listen back to our other Lifestyle Show podcasts on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and email us at rtlifestyle at rte.ie. Plus, you can tweet me on at Tara LG. That's Tara with the G-H. Goodbye for now, and if there's anything that you'd like to hear featured on the show, you know where to find us. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery-Grant on RTE Radio 1 Extra. 